Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. Breaking news this week in the social media tech industry. SpaceX and Tesla CEO Elon Musk has officially purchased over 9% share in the company Twitter, becoming the largest stockholder. According to the Securities and Exchange Commission, Musk purchased over 73 million shares valued at roughly $2.89 billion based on Friday's closing stock price of $39.31 per share. By closing bell on Monday, share price had risen by more than $10 a share. Major news outlets report, following the multi-billion dollar stake, the world's richest man teased the world with the prospect of adding the function of an edit button on Monday, immediately causing a stir because the platform customarily does not permit users to update their tweets. Using the poll feature, more than 75% of respondents to his question said yes to add the feature. Interestingly, Musk also tweeted out a yes or no poll to his 80 million followers last month, asking whether they thought Twitter adheres to the principle of free speech, continuing with the statement that is essential to a functioning democracy. Overwhelmingly, his Twitter followers voted no, some speculating that it was the precipice Musk needed to purchase the shares in the company. Whether you're a fan of Musk or not, it seems that whenever he shakes, the world's markets move. One might be wise to monitor his actions in the future. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. That's some love making song right there. That's some love making music. Love making music. music. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. (laughs) I think I have a new favorite band. Uh, Welcome back, Geoholics. Last week, the uh, Western Region Survey Conference. Uh, We were there on on location. It was freaking awesome. Uh, Kudos to Chrissy Wilson and her team for putting on a great event. I think there's over 900 attendees from, uh, I believe there's 33 states represented. Incredibly well organized, ton of value is provided for all that were able to be there. It was incredible, so kudos to them. Some great exposure for the geoholics. Were there Um, some friends made? Friends were made. Friends were All made. Right. Autographs were signed. Whoa. By the way, some the, crazy shit was going on. The <laughs> gentleman, the gentleman that showed up to the Geoholics uh, stand at the conference, uh-huh. who is a Utah uh, f- a part of Utah Forest Service. Uh-huh. Please reach out to us via email at info at thegeoholics.com <laughs> because we want to send you something. The individual that asked for our autograph. He's oh, a yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. hardcore listener. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. 
There were so many cool stories. If like, he reaches out, I'll give him a shoots autograph because oh, I wasn't there. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were so many cool stories. There was this one guy that came up. He's got his phone, and he's like, my buddy just texted me. If you see the geoholics, go by there and get some swag. I love those guys. It was freaking awesome. Oh, man, that's excellent. Let's move on with this. Uh, Connor, talk about that opening <laughs> number. Oh, yes. It's a mouthful tonight, buddy. It's a mouthful. So St. Paul and the Broken Bones, uh, Apollo, St. Paul and the Broken Bones is an American eight-piece soul band based in Birmingham, Alabama, so the south. Our guest is from North Carolina. Uh, That formed in 2012. The band is composed of Paul Janway, uh, Bowen Lawler, Jesse Phillips, Kevin Leon, Al Gamble, Alan Branstetter, uh, Amari Ansari, and Chad Fisher, uh, they have released four albums and two EPs while touring internationally. Since 2014, the band sold over 355,000 albums equivalent across three records. The band has a star on the wall of the historic music venue First Avenue in Minneapolis. Go ahead, Chute. You got something to say about that? No, I was going to say Minneapolis. There's got to be a lot of Prince references there, right? Tons. Tons. Minneapolis is an incredible music town. Incredible. That was one thing I was going to say. The other thing is, uh, you mentioned Chad Fisher. He plays the trombone. I don't know if I ever admitted it on here or mentioned it, but I played the trombone in uh, junior high, as a matter of fact. You still got one? I I do not. I also played the trombone. No! Dude, I I knew we were like brothers from another mother. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? How long did you play for? I switched to tuba in my sophomore year in high school. Oh, interesting. And I was actually a very good tuba player. Like, would you almost get like a scholarship type thing? I was the second chair in the All-State, North Carolina All-State High School Band. Second I was like... Chair tuba. I was like... Tried out and everything. I was like fifth chair trombone <laughs> in, in middle school. <laughs> the tuba. That oh, yeah, must yeah, have been yeah. a great thing to lug around the hallways in, in high school uh, or middle school. I mean, it, it, uh, it did not hold me back. Oh, I see where he's going with that. I like he's that. a solid dude, is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. up. It, Don't let the tuba fool you. The tuba section ruled the roost, so to speak. Did you do any marching? Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. Did wow. you guys have the big hats and the whole outfits? and Whole thing. Oh, man. Band, oh, yeah. Band nerds killed me in high school. They annoyed the hell out of me. They, got, they, they took band. all your women. That's why. No, I, yeah. I dated a band nerd. You know what's funny is I saw live... Uh, remember, remember uh, Fox 10 News when the Corey, the weather guy oh, that's yeah, been yeah, doing yeah. the weather forever, and he dropped the microphone in the tuba? Have you ever seen that cut out at all? <laughs> oh, yeah, go look it up. It's a, it's like a viral video. Mm. No, that happened at my high school in the tuba. He dropped his microphone. He's like, oh, yeah, listen to this tuba. And then he drops the microphone <laughs> in the tuba. Corey. I'm like, uh, Corey McCloskey. That guy's a character, man. Local news is so corny. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That guy's a staple of my childhood. I love it. All right, here we are back in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. I got to mention TK. He is the man. No doubt about it. He uh, he was presented with the Von Schmidt Award during uh, one of the lunches. It was the last day we were there, actually, for his contributions to the profession, both in California and Nevada. And uh, globally, honestly, I mean, the guy has put a footprint bigger than anybody on the profession. And um, if you remember the last regular episode we had, Trent said he would give away a... uh, Diamondback Land Surveying NASCAR diecast to anybody that answered the uh, trivia question, right? So we got we got fifteen entries or answers to the tri- correct answers to the trivia question. Um, so I'm gonna have our guest give me a number between one and fifteen to figure out who the winner of this diecast is gonna be. Two, two. 
All right. Uh, Jim McDonald from Goodwin Brothers in, I believe, Missouri, is the winner of the Downback Land Surveying Diecast. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jim. Jim McDonald. <laughs> He's going to be excited about that. We don't even have one. Come we on down. I tried to answer the question. Was I one of the 15 or is it like I'm not eligible? You're not eligible. Win? You're not eligible. Oh. Yeah. I should have stole one. There was one on an, up on display uh, at the conference. I should have grabbed that before I left. But uh, we'll have to get on TK about that. But anyways, congratulations to Jim McDonald. That's pretty cool. Let's uh, give a shout out to this week's featured friend of the program. Who do we have, Shoots? Real quick, before we do that, did he have to buy any drinks for anybody that said they were geoholics? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know how that ended up. We're going to have to get his bar tab and yeah. maybe, maybe reimburse him a little bit. <laughs> I think bit. everybody was buying Trent drinks, to be okay, honest. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. That, that guy's like it, the popular guy be. around there. He, like, we had the mayor of Verge down on here. He is the mayor of, like, Surveyville. <laughs> he is. I love it. I All love right. It. Our featured friend of the program is North Star Surveying. They were founded in 1979. North Star Surveying, Inc. provides quality professional land surveying services for both private and public public clients throughout Western Oregon. Northstar has always maintained a strong commitment to its clients and works hard to provide all services in a timely, cost-effective manner. The company maintains a strong desire to treat each and every client, associate, and consultant with respect and integrity so that they end up with positive long-term relationships. Ensure the success of your upcoming survey project with the help of North Star Surveying. They offer a full list of complete surveying services. To find out more, simply visit northstarsurveying.com. Good guys over there at North Star. Absolutely. And if you, the Schlossers. The remember? Schlossers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Father-son team. Amazing. Um, and if you reach out to them, be sure to let them know you're a geoholic. I feel like if you tipped a few cups with them, their name would get funnier. The Schlossers. <laughs> you might actually say it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for uh, Connor O'Gorman's weekly words of wisdom. What'd you come up with this week? Oh. COG. This one's, a, this one's a great one. Strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is noise before defeat. And who, who, uh, who came up with that one? Sun Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was avoiding saying it. He was totally avoiding it. Sun Tzu. Yeah. Tzu. Art of Tzu. War. Yes. Art of War. Art of War. Sun Tzu. One of the best ever. Sun Tzu. So a lot of those, like, I think that quote can definitely be applicable to, like, uh, to business. Agreed? Anyone? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's my take on it. Like, every business uh, kind of hits close to home, I suppose. Every business needs to have a, uh, a strategic plan, right? And the vision and mission need to be clearly outlined and shared with everybody in the company. And this is, this is interesting because we've been talking a lot about this recently in our own company. And, uh, you know, under the plan, you, know, you got to have clear goals and guidelines for the tactics that the company supports to reach the established goals. Agreed. Agreed. Right. See how that see how that all ties in. Can I ask a question? What's uh, the difference between strategy and tactics? I think you have to have a strategy before you have tactics. The tactics is what helps you achieve the strategy. Your strategy, strategy is the planning. Your tactics are what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the tactics. I think, yeah. Accomplishes the plan. Helps you accomplish the plan. Strategy is the plan. Or the goal. Tactics are the action. I look yeah. at that and I go, okay. Like people throw ideas out. It's like. All right. I mean, Sean does it with me all the time. It's like, all right, now who's going to do it? That's the <laughs> yeah. thing. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's got to get done. And so you I think that's where it is. It's like, ta like strategy. Mm -hmm. Like you have to at least have a vision or an idea. And then that idea you have to accomplish it somehow. That's how I look at it. Like a doer. Yep. There's gotta be some accountability there. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it's from, but I just have in my head, visualize an attack, like mm. a fight, like yeah. visualize an attack. Is that yeah. Karate Kid? I don't know. 
I haven't watched that movie in probably 20 years. Could be Karate Kid too. Maybe even 30 years. Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Don't you have a seven-year-old son? When, when are you going to be doing that? You gotta, he's, he's, eight. he's eight. He's eight. We're getting there. Karate Kid's like a seven to ten-year-old. Like he, that's did, a, he did karate one time, and it was horrible. <laughs> it smelled bad. He's rolling around with like other people. wrestling. Yes. <laughs> it was horrible. I'm like, you're not doing that anymore. So now we're doing baseball. Huddy's like a eight-year-old going on 20. Yeah. Uh, his teacher told us one time he... He's an eight-year-old with an 80-year-old soul. Absolutely. Because he'll be talking about Legos, and then he's like, let's discuss the meaning of life. Uh, love that. <laughs> and I'm kid. like, yeah, the Legos is me. The meaning of life is the lovely carry. <laughs> and he's eight, yeah, and he's exactly. a geoholic. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That'd be the opposite of Kent, uh, an 80-year-old yeah. with an eight-year-old soul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Think exactly. it along well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's catch up the boys just a little bit. It's been a bit. Uh, COG, what's up, man? How was your How was your quick, brief stay in uh, Vegas? Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, people heard the story, my first story about how the uh, the alarms went off. Uh, Nobody's heard that story. You have to. Oh no! Did you mention it? I did mention it. That'll in be that, another yes, episode. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll hear it twice. Then, so the fire, yeah. the fire alarm. There was a false alarm in our hotel, and next thing you know, all I hear is uh, these like loud sirens going off. By the way, we're sitting. We're like right next to the wind. We're staying right by it, and it's uh, four a.m. And I'm 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 actually sober, and I'm going. What the hell are these alarms? It didn't sound like a fire alarm. It's like, please proceed to the closest exit. I'm on the 23rd floor. So my my, I got my bags packed, looked down the hall, and there's families just sprinting down the hallway. And I'm like, well, I'm going the opposite way of where they're going. So I, I, I went down 23 flights of stairs, <laughs> found out it was a false alarm, go back up and found, and then it started going off again. So I got a new room. But uh, yeah, that was that was my first night in Vegas. Second night, we ended up getting home around probably what, 4 or 4.30. And unfortunately, I had to drive home that next day. Yeah, yeah, I looked at horrible. it. It's never a good idea when you get home, like to your or back to your hotel, and I'm like, "Well, the first flight out of here is an extra sixty dollars, and I could technically make it to the airport." <laughs> jump on it right now. But I was like, "I do have to drive then in three hours from now." Don't think I can, so I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but is that two hours of sleep really doing you any good? Like it was like I, three and a half. It it it, it helped. It helped a lot. Oh, yeah. that's horrible. What's up with it, you shoots? It took a couple of those straight gins off. Actually, <laughs> the Masters is on this week in opening day, so what's up with you? Oh, geez, I'm going to be glued to the television all weekend, but uh, I missed out on Vegas. I got one of those real jobs now. It's unfortunate. Uh, I got invited to go last minute, and I was just like, no way, because... The stories I'm hearing, I'm glad I didn't go. You did not even <laughs> respond. And I, I know, knew I, better. I know I why you better. didn't. Yes, because you knew if you responded well, some way or another, oh, we yeah. were going to talk you into You it. guys were going to be calling me all night. Yeah. And like, no. You, you were I best not, like, to, nope. not to respond. Well, when I woke up the next morning, I was like, oh, man, this is great, Kent. Shoots, I, I got a, I got an extra bed now. I had a king bed. Now I got two queens. Like, this is going to be great. <laughs> no, it's best not to engage. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I think I've, you're getting wiser. I was going to say, I got some wisdom in my ears. Yeah, what's going on here? I'm putting it behind me now. <laughs> You've <laughs> never been on the O'Gorman train. You got to no, get on it no. one time. One day, maybe someday. Well, let's see. That's but, another uh, biggest story that you can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That O'Gorman train. So funny. <laughs> uh, realistically, I've just been working my butt off, and then uh, we got Hudson playing baseball again. Uh, Love it. Fortunately, I'm not the coach this year because 
I don't know if I should say this about like seven to nine year olds, but they're not very good. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I'm more a, of a high level talent developer. Yeah. Last oh, year, okay, my okay, team sure, was sure. significantly better. You yeah. Know, when he was I, seven. <laughs> <laughs> now he's eight. Hey, he no, went from it was, coach it pitch. Was the, to it was the group, <laughs> no, it's still coach pitch. It's the group around him last year. Like his team now, they're all like little kid, like little, little. And I'm like, man, oh man. Cause the coach pitch, it's tricky. You're throwing darts to these kids when they're that small. So I'm glad I'm not coaching. I'm the first base coach. I talk crap to the other team when they're in the first base dugout (laughs) to kids and the coaches, and it's enjoyable. I had a great time. I got home last night. I was all pumped. I'm like, I missed this. Yeah, I got to get out there and check check out a game. Oh yeah, we played at Wrigley last night. Oh, you did last night. Are you gonna play in Wrigley again? I'll have to look at the schedule. I don't remember because last year we played in Chase Field and Ebbets Field. Now we're on. Now we have Wrigley in there as well. Where is Wrigley and Bush? No, uh, Angel Stadium. Oh. Right and they got like the whole rock waterfall out in the center and everything. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. What position? They, they rotate them. Hudson mm. likes second base Ooh. and left field. Mm. Does he got an arm? No. Okay, that's perfect position then. Yeah, that's where I put him last year because I know he can field it, and he's got the arm just to get it to first, and he succeeded every time he was there last year. Who was year. that second baseman? I think on the Yankees. It could not throw... Chuck Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch. Yes. He got the yips. Yeah, the yips. Yeah, he could not make that throw. Uh, All right. We could go on for years about this. I don't want to talk baseball. We'll do another podcast for that. We'll do that. What's going on with you, Kent? Oh, what what am I allowed to talk about right now? (laughs) That's up to you. (laughs) All right. On the strip, what did you get offered walking on the strip? Pot. That was it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was I just too, just didn't realize it, or I don't think I got Wait, it, it. It's legal in the Yeah. Oh, right. I, I think, I, as so. soon as you walk out as any resort, boom, it just hits you. Yeah. Everywhere you go, it smells like pot. Well, I feel like ever since they legalized it, yeah. now I walk down the street, they're like, you want Coke? You want heroin? I'm like, no. I heard people talking about that, actually. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't one of those people that got offered that, though. Yeah. Do they, they still smoke inside the casino? Uh, I mean, I, yes. I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can you smoke pot in the casino? I think vapes type thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're not like smoking a blunt in the. <laughs> in that's the, one, the yeah. way it is. It, is yeah. it acceptable now? Uh, I don't think it's. I don't Asking think so. For a friend. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's just the vapes <laughs> and yeah. Like to actually smoke, it seems like they all do it on the street because you walk down the street, you'll that's catch a, a buzz just smell. off of that. Yeah. Yeah. So real so, quick, I, right. I do got to talk about the uh, the Connor Express because uh, Connor brought it up. Once you get on it, there's no getting off. I'm just going to tell you that. So next time, uh, if you're ever in Vegas with Connor and he just starts to go, you either jump off at that point in time or once you're on, you're on and there's no getting off. And a real quick Dilfy Dilf story. There's got to be one, right? Connor's going to kill me for, for telling this one probably. But uh, the night we went out, it was a late night. We got home like at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, we were on Fremont Street. Watching a great band. We watched that band for like three hours. They three were incredible. Hour. Oh. Yeah, oh. classic rock band. Rock, Rocking rock out. Steady. Ho- rock Steady was the name of the band. Hotel California played. Loved it. Yeah, They were amazing. They are incredible. So after that, we're like, what are we going to do now? So Connor's like, let's go to this club. up. He's just, there's, he had to take an elevator up, like one floor or whatever. And he's like, let's go to this club. Let's go to the club. Mind you, I walked past it because I I was going to the bathroom. And I was like, oh, let's go try this out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably not, not the best idea. But anyways, it happened. And uh, long story short... Connor and I, there's a couch. I mean, we, let's just go down this path. There's a couch, you know, we're hanging out there, stuff like that. All these younger people, much younger than myself, are out there dancing and doing their thing and whatnot. And uh, it comes to a point in the evening where uh, a young lady comes up to Connor and says, uh, I'd like to <clears throat> bang you and your dad. 
<laughs> you know what role I play in that, as a matter of fact. But again, I'm like, oh, you know what? It makes you feel good, you know? But uh, And then the other one is we're walking back. I don't well, know I, walked, I walked out and I said, He's like, we got to get the hell out of here. Right when I heard that, I go, yeah. I go, we got to go. We yeah. got to leave. We got to evacuate <laughs> yeah. the situation. This is not a good situation we're in. Like, I don't know why we're getting targeted right now, but I'm like, we just got to go. We got to go. And, and we did. Did yes, he, yes. Did he explain yes. the situation left. to you? Were you peeking out, out of there? On the way no, out. No, like, I, the old man like, still got like, it. Grabbed me. He's like, we got to go. I'm like, what happened? I, and he I, told me the story. I'm I haven't like, sprinted oh out God. of a club that fast for away from people. I was like, I, I, I can't. Nope. Freaking hilarious. <laughs> Freaking hilarious. And then the other story was, though, once we somehow got back to our, our hotel, we're walking around trying to find food at like four o'clock in the morning. We're walking, you know, pass, passing random people. This like three girls walk by us, right? Didn't say anything to each other. Just kept on walking. The one girl turns around. She goes, oh, oh, oh. What happened goes, was I go, I go, I, I found out. I've remembered because I go, I'm like, I looked, I tried to look at you and I go, man, I'm hot right now or something like that. I say, I say, I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hot. Like, like in a sense. And I think she thought that I said that she was hot. Oh, is that what it was? I think that's maybe I, cause I was burning up. Maybe yeah. that's what it was, but something happened. I didn't even say a dang word. I didn't even know they could hear yeah. me. And, and the one <laughs> girl goes, I'm a lesbian. Yes. And the other girl goes, but I'm not. And I'm single. And I'm like, I'm like, Kent, I need to get out of this place right now. I'm like, I didn't even was even oh, talking man. to these people. Man, oh man. Vegas it's is so just funny. a fun place. It is. It is. I, I, I'm good for about one weekend a year there, to be honest with you. But it was fun. All right, let's get on with this. Yeah. We talked a little bit too much there, but it was fun. Our guest nah, this we're evening. Fine. You probably already heard his uh, deep, raspy voice, Mr. Sean Faber. A uh, little bit about Sean. Born in Des Moines, Iowa. Believe it or not. Oh. Good Midwestern guy. I knew it. Grew up in North Carolina, and he moved to Arizona in 2004. <clears throat> Excuse me. He attended North Carolina State. Uh, Wolfpack. There you go. Uh, he enjoys golfing, old man basketball, pickleball. Uh, he loves to bet on all other possible sporting events. What about like late night ping pong? Uh, Russian ping pong. Russian be, ping pong. Ever, yes. How about darts? Have you ever gone down that path? No, but I did lose a lot of money on the women's national championship game. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> what about like Korean baseball? Esports? Have you gotten into that? I haven't gotten I haven't into that gotten yet. Gotten into esports? There's some weird and shit out I, there. But I have heard uh, cornhole is coming to the no betting apps. Way. And I am yes. Looking forward to that. Oh my god! I had I had a buddy that played my one of my last coworkers was a uh, lacrosse player at Mount St. Mary's, and nice. he he knew lacrosse and like women's lacrosse too. So they were betting women's lacrosse back wow. then. Wow. <laughs> well, one of one of our employees is a professional. I still have to meet him. Cornhole. And I'm um, looking to get some tips from the inside. Interesting. Make it worth Interesting. my while. I like it. Insider training. Insider training. I love like it. Exactly. Get the SEC involved. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. He also likes, uh, enjoys live music, and he is a food snob. I think that's fair. Fair enough. Uh, he is a principal at Alta Southwest. Go team. Where he manages all things except for survey. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> highlights of his career are getting a PE in civil, although he has a mechanical engineering degree, uh, then turning that into starting a geotechnical department seven years ago. Seven years. That was it right, yep. correct? Or was yep. it something yep. even before that? No, it was it right. It was right. And turning it into the monster it is today. It is absolutely monster. It is a monster, correct? Good good monster, bad monster. What do you think? Good monster. Depends on the day. Yeah. Good monster. <laughs> it's uh, incredible. His passion is managing people and solving problems. And one of his favorite things is to tell people about uh, what, it, when he, what I do is the stories of my team and where they are now compared to when we first started. 
So the, yeah. the growth, so professional the growth, growth yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Sean, thanks so much for being here. And it uh, is absolutely my pleasure. We appreciate your time. We're excited to have this conversation. We've never talked about um, geotechnical engineering. So it sounds like an amazing topic. I can't wait to get into this. Before we get into that, quick icebreaker. Do you believe in UFOs? Yes. Good answer. Connor? Yes, they're real. Nah. Ah! I'm close-minded. I'm simple. I definitely believe in them. I don't have evidence. Yeah, but I'm a believer. Statistically, it's very improbable that they don't exist. I, I just agree. want them to like show up and kill us all. If they're gonna do it, get it over. Hey, with. careful what you wish for. Well, get it over with. <laughs> then you guys can all be like, we were right, and I'll be like, we're all dead. <laughs> what about Bigfoot? No, oh, no. I, don't know. Ooh, I think I think I saw Bigfoot one time actually. No, Loch Ness. No. No, that was Connor at 4.30 a.m. It might have been. <laughs> Thumping my way around. Is <laughs> that a fire alarm? I am a pretty, I am a pretty clumsy clumsy guy, so my 6'4", walking oh around God. is probably pretty bad. That is so funny. All right, let's talk about this geotechnical engineering thing. First of all, how the heck did you get into this? Um, I graduated college with a mechanical engineering degree, and then a buddy of mine, Jamie, you guys know, um, had moved out to Phoenix. We had always talked about moving out west because we were from North Carolina. I thought out west was cool. He had a friend out in Phoenix. He said, I was working at a restaurant. He said, you have a degree. Come out here. I'll get you a job. So I did. It was with a geotechnical engineering company. And then I kind of started with them. And they were super busy because it was all construction was going crazy. And I just stuck with it. There's a lot of there's, there's, there's geotechnical, there's geological, there's geomechanical. So when do you practice all those things, or is it really just geotechnical? And if so, how do you define that? Uh, the the broad term is geotechnical engineering. Okay. Geological is is a, kind of a separate thing, and geomechanics is a portion of geotechnical. Gotcha. And so, how do you describe geotechnical? Like, what what do you what's your specialty? Oh man, it's tough. Um, if when people ask me what a geotechnical engineer does i say we design foundations and test materials and mostly everything with soils gotcha. soils and rock is our, is our place gotcha so i did a little research and this whole geotechnical engineering thing has been around for a long time well pil- pil- buildings pil- have been around for a long time so you would <laughs> yes. assume but making maybe, sure they don't fall over make, yeah. making sure they don't fall over right is part of it too yes yeah maybe they didn't know like back then like for example of course this is uh via wikipedia but 2000 bc first evidence of soil mechanics in egypt because they were of course building irrigation and flood control and stuff mm-hmm. like that 1717 this name probably rings a bell to you henry gautier not really gautier doesn't ring a bell or i'm saying it wrong does not ring a bell. So he, of course, uh, French royal engineer. <laughs> of course. And uh, slope of soils and angle of repose is you, what his... You guys know what angle of repose is? <laughs> no, that's why we're hoping you're going to share this with us. So it, imagine if you grabbed a bunch of beach sand right, okay. off from the beach and you just dumped it into a pile. Yep. And that imagine that pile is like a triangle. Mm-hmm. The angle of that triangle is the angle of repose. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. So depending on the whatever, so you t- you mentioned sand as the example, but you yeah. could use like, gosh, what anything you could use dirt in, of any, some any sort, kind of water. dirt, sand. So you measure that angle, and that's the angle of repose, like the angle of the pile. Yeah, but you really use it for anything steeper than that angle is 
let's say unsafe oh, or yeah. can well it will naturally always go back to the angle of repose repose gotcha interesting well then in 1773 how about this name charles Coulomb. 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 You've, you've heard that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, physicist and engineer uh, was part of the Moore-Coulomb uh, theory. The Moore-Coulomb theory. Coulomb yes, theory. That, that's a, that's, that's Is that a big, big deal? Thing. Is it still used today? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, pretty amazing that that 1773. And it connects with the one before because it, it's a way to define how strong are the strength parameters of soil based on the what's called the friction angle, which is related to angle of repose and cohesion. And it combines friction angle and cohesion. Cohesion is like clay when it mm. sticks together. Gotcha. So that's the 19th century Darcy's Law. That one ring a bell? And coincidentally, yes. Clay and consistency indice, indices? Indices. indices. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of copy and pasted that in there. I did, you? yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that one talks about. It sounds like Connor reading these. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It sounds like, that. by the way, that's Kent. I don't, I don't even know what this is. I'm just trying to uh, sound smart. Interestingly, and it's unique to myself because Darcy's Law is all about fluid mechanics and permeability and flow of water through a membrane. What's permeability? Uh, how fast the water goes through any something, anything. Mm. So, mm. like, impermeable means that water no, doesn't no go water. through it. Mm. And so that means you, if you imagine you have dirt, and you put water on top, eventually it's going to get through it. The rate at which that gets through it is the is how permeable the soil is. So and my then, feeble brain, sand would be very permeable. Correct. Concrete, not so much. Mm -mm. It is permeable, but not very. Gotcha. Gotcha. We, we, opposite use the, ends of the spectrum. we use the terrible word moisture a lot in geotechnical engineering. Yeah. And moisture goes through concrete. concrete That's one of those words that permeable. makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> But uh, so and in, in 1925, the beginning of modern geotechnical engineering. I don't yeah. know what happened then, but that was apparently a big year. Uh, right around that time. Well, there's two things. One is uh, I used to work for a company called Converse and Fred Converse was an old guy and he was at the original, the first geotechnical conference, basically mm -hmm. at Harvard. Oh, wow. In early 1900s, that's right crazy. around this time. And then that's when they decided we need to make geotechnical a separate, its own discipline from civil engineering. So can, can, can a person get a degree in geotechnical engineering? Yes. It's a, it's a branch of civil. So if there's, when you go into civil, there's 17,000 ways you can take that. And one of them is geotechnical. So when you get to like your, uh, your PE, do you have to like specialize in geotechnical engineering or how does that work the it's a there's a when you take your pe there's a breadth and a depth the breadth is the first four hours which is the basics of engineering and hmm. then your focus is the second four hours and that is your i guess specific there's transportation gotcha. civils and water civils and <coughs> geotechnical yeah. civils gotcha i got a quick question yeah go for it's it it's going to be off the rails not expected but when you talk about all this stuff how the hell do you explain the leaning tower of pisa oh yes good one so uh <laughs> one of the, what the, about. The, the beginning of modern it was terzaghi it published a paper he's a very famous one of the most famous geotechnical engineers yeah it's the kind of the basis for all geotech and mo one of the things he published was settlement and the leaning tower of pisa essentially is slowly 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 settling and it's settling 
uneven. Hmm. So it's just kind of sinking like this. You know, Is it like tilting. an even sink? So it's nope. Nope. no. So it's going to go over. Yeah, but eventually. I mean, yeah. and part of what he. His paper was and all the other stuff from that is there's a rate at which settlement will occur based on the type of material and how much water it gets and everything else. So do they have a prediction of when it's going down? I mean, as the the term that geotech engineers always use is that geotech is more of an art than a science. You can predict, but you, you don't really know because most of it is outside factors. Like if they have a huge flood season, that can increase that rate. So they guess, but eventually it will it will tilt over. Like, is it going to be my lifetime? Do I have to hurry over there right now to see it? Or no, no I got I got not, time. It will not be okay. my lifetime. Cool. Thank um, you. The, I'm, I'm the, safe. The I, other, can, I can save my pennies and get over there. The other interesting thing about it is, if it had settled uniformly, as in evenly, you would have never. It wouldn't be a thing because it would just drop into the ground and stay straight up. And then eventually they would just decide, okay, the first floor is now the basement and start over basically. But it just settles unevenly. Hmm. So was that a screw up on like the design phase of that? Or? I mean, I don't, was remember, really I don't know when it phase, was they just probably, I think they just won it. Hey, whoa, yeah, whoa, they, whoa. They I'm thought, just asking. And it kind of goes into the they didn't have Sean why the you do geotech is to do an investigation to try and hope to prevent that. Okay. Oh I got Tower of Pisa they, was the first case study for geotech engineers and that's why like Sean has a job now. <laughs> completely have a job. <laughs> yes. yes. I credit I feel my like entire like, career to the <laughs> Tower of Pisa. That should be on like the cover of every book in geotechnical engineering school. You're not wrong. It, it's on a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking this up quickly, buddy. Look at that. I think you might have found a new career path, Shoots. Uh, yeah, no. screw plumbing. Get Get out out two plumbing. weeks in plumbing. Shoots, we're hiring, buddy. We're hiring. All right. We are. <laughs> you think like a geotechnical engineer. So we're obviously, you know, we're pretty like a survey centric. Uh, Com- we typically have survey centric conversations. We always say like surveyors are the first ones in, right? Last ones out. Could be that the geotechnical engineers are actually the first ones in, especially when there's like some design happening. Uh, or yeah, potential design. we are we we are both on that early team, and usually we're the the part of the environmental and it's the uh, standard due diligence. I guess if you're going to buy a chunk of land is. Survey it to know where it is. Run, do an env- environmental investigation to make sure it's not hazardous. And yeah. do a geotechnical investigation to make sure you can build what you want to build on it. So these investigations, I mean, I, I think I mean, every state is different, obviously. Like the makeup of the below surface, whatever you call that, subsurface. Soils. Soils. So Arizona is one thing. Florida is a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. So how do you become an expert in whatever state you're in. I mean, is there, is there a, a pathway for that? Is there like, do you have to take That's like, why they call engineering a practice because mm. yeah, it's not like tailored specifically you practice. You do a bunch of it. You take a bunch of soil samples and you learn about what the local, basically the local industry does. And mm-hmm. you adapt to that. Like I could not go to Florida and be a practicing geotechnical engineer. Interesting. And that just takes time, I guess. Time and experience. Time and experience. Got it's it. Kind of like being in the, like, crew instead of being yeah. a surveyor yeah for sure and it makes me think i just saw something on i was watching something on discovery channel or something like that i don't know but it was in uh it was in san francisco and there's a building there that takes up an entire block and the thing is like sinking x amount of centimeters mm-hmm. a, a year or something like that sure. and like it's starting to lean and this and that and i'm like that's exactly in your wheelhouse stuff like that right sure yeah 
I mean, they're, they're, they're fixing that, by the way, I think I heard. They're like yeah. putting their uh, borings. They're doing like borings around it or something. Well, they're, do, they're doing piers. So the, piers. A, a piers. Pier, piers yeah, yeah. basically like a, just jamming a, a dart in the, into the ground and then yeah. kind of shoring it while they do that. And then eventually the building will sit on those piers. Gotcha. So do you work closely with um, structural engineers then? Absolutely. The, when we started the, ge- uh, the geotech department that mm-hmm. we mentioned with, excuse me, with uh, Wright, yep. Instruction Engineering Group. And I learned a lot working hand-in-hand with a structural, because I kind of saw how the sausage was made on their end, and it helped me be a better engineer. Yeah. Sounds so, like a good time for you to mention your mentors. Who are your mentors? Who are my mentors? Yeah. Besides Converse. Besides Fred Converse. And Jamie Floyd. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, no, my mentor, I haven't talked to him in quite a while, but his name is Wayne, mm-hmm. and he's... How old and retired, as most mentors are. Um, I think he lives in Alabama now or Florida. And he was my mentor at my previous firm, and I still call upon, call upon him from time to time. Cool. That's awesome. And if it wasn't for him, you probably wouldn't be here right now. I would not have had the confidence to start a business, start a department, if you will. Yep. Yep. Without a doubt. That's awesome. Um, so soil mechanics, what's that all about? Uh, soil mechanics is gets into the into the nitty gritty on um, strength properties of soil, mostly in slope stability. And if you're going to build something or cut a hole in the side of a mountain or put a freeway through something, you're going to have a slope there because you got to dig a hole and mm-hmm. how the angle of that slope and what the problems that could happen later from a failure or if it's slide, you know, rock sliding and all that stuff. That's, that's geomechanics. So what are like, what's an example of the type of testing or observations that you do for situations like that? The best example is the one that's on the Beeline Highway on the way to Payson. Oh yeah. Uh, have ever heard mm. about this? Mm. I know the road. I know, yeah, the road. I know so the road. So everyone knows about. the road. And <laughs> if you're going along the road, there's a, there's a little section, probably about five, 600 feet. And it's like kind of step terrace yeah. down. Yeah. Every time we drive by there, the lovely Megan and I were like, why the hell did they do that? So they we're going to learn that because they had a slope failure on that section. And what happened huh. actually happened was the slope slid down that hill and buried the highway about 10 feet or so. Wow. Shut the, shut the whole highway down. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yep. there's been obviously numerous studies and they fixed it and then it kept happening. And what's going on is there's some underground water that's going underground through that section and it weakens the soil and it creates kind of a slip plane and then that dirt slides down. So then they step it. They also, what you probably don't see is there's little posts out there, like yellow posts. Those are wells that they dug hmm. just to monitor how much the underground is moving. So they drop a, I can't remember the name, it's a, not a piezometer, but it's, they basically drop a, a, a little bob to see, is that hole still perfectly level? Oh, and wow. what happened is the bottom started shifting and then they couldn't even drop the thing down there because the whole, what you can't see underground is sliding underneath. And there's some water, and then they did some drains, and it's, a, like, a whole thing. So, like, talking about, like, the, the roads and stuff, like, 202 is a newer example here in the valley. Sure. That went through, like, the Ahwatukee area. Yep. 
love Ahwatukee. But uh, what 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 happened there with the road? I know that there was an issue with the asphalt. So like like explain to me yeah. that. That's a uh, material issue with the asphalt, and it's the and it falls under the realm of geotech just because no one has a better name for material testing. But essentially, it's from what I understand, it was from the grade or the type of oil they used in the asphalt. Which you do a lot of, right? Is is the uh, materials testing? Yes, correct? yes, yeah, yeah. We do we do both, and I and I do both material testing and geotech. Geotech would be the design of the slopes and the foundations and material testing is you pave a road and you buy asphalt that's supposed to perform and you do some tests to make sure that what you bought will perform. So like if they had Sean Faber out there, then it would have been fixed in a sense, or, or you would have caught that like that, that, like those type of material tests, like, like, would, is that able to catch real quick or? No, that, that this specific one was based on the the actual the oil broke down in the asphalt oh, and the rock started mm. coming out of it and that's how it that's why it was an issue so it's a material issue it's a material yeah. issue and it's actually yeah. the type of oil they put in the asphalt so how much liability goes along with what you do oh man like how much like what's the, what's the risk what's the pucker factor it's pretty <laughs> puckerable yeah um we do we design foundations so and if you can imagine a subdivision of 500 homes 300 grand a pop and I what are you talking it, about? Ten years ago? I make, <laughs> yes, yes. Or in uh, in uh, Sacatone or something. Okay, like, there we go. There. Now we're yeah, I heard prison front property <laughs> in Florence is going yes. for like five hundred. Yes, 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 yes. And so if I make a very drastic mistake and all of those homes have foundation failure, then the liability is replacing those homes. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That is that is a lot. Um, so, like, when you get a call, like, who, typ- who, what does a typical client look like for you? And, like, when they call you, what are they asking for? Uh, well, most clients don't know what they need. They just yeah. ask for a soil survey or something. But okay. my typical client is land development, land developers. Okay. Part of, they, they want to buy 100 acres and do something with it. Mm-hmm. And in, in order to do that, they have to know where it is where you guys come in. And then they also have to make sure that it is suitable to develop what they want to develop. Like I, so then we go out, we do some borings, take some samples, run some tests, put it in the magic box and poof, it is suitable for your development. <laughs> Hit the easy button. <laughs> yes. The, 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 the quick part is almost everything is suitable for, I mean, anything is suitable for what you want to do if you're willing to do what needs to be done to make it suitable. Might that cost a little more. Might cost a little more, but you can do, I mean, you can build just about anything anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then quick question again, off the top of my head, um, the reservations around here and stuff, that's like archeologists that have to get called in for stuff like that. You don't deal with that. Correct. Like if they find artifacts and all that, Mm. have you ever come across anything with that? Not, not anything fun. Have you ever found a dinosaur? No, no, just just some simple like arrowheads or something like <laughs> dead that. Dead animals and not any, not even anything arrowheads. Just mostly dead animals. Uh, but you have to like uh, shut it down, and they have to bring in archaeologists to like prove that it's an animal, not a human. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I had to do a whole day of education on that. Oh yes, as for, a, com- uh, for, for a plumbing an, company, for an aerial mapping for company, <laughs> we fly over, never touch the ground. I still had to take a class. Wow. Yeah, liability. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, I covered it. So you mentioned um, the example you mentioned with the terracing on that, that one area on the yeah. road to Payson. And the, 
um, what I don't know what you call it, the piezometer or whatever that went yeah, down the, to. It's like a it's like a monitoring do you well, get, but yeah. Do you get involved with like water levels and stuff like that? A a little bit, just little bit. because the groundwater here in Arizona is very very deep, unless you're right next to the river. Yeah. So not it. It's that's why I say I couldn't practice in Florida because you know the groundwater is sometimes knee level versus where it should be. So it's a much different way to design foundations. Right, right. So, the reason I bring it up, I, I just read an article not too long ago about. I mean, obviously, living here in Arizona, there's concerns about the water supply and what that's going to look like, you know, 20, 30, 50 years from now. Sure. And I read something about, gosh, it has something to do with Mexico. Like there was some underwater or under, underground, deep underground water pockets that were somehow going to be extracted and they're going to have to go through like a desalinization process or something like that. It was just well, crazy like the, shit. I, I believe I heard when we, were, when we were down in Sierra Vista in under Cochise County is the largest aquifer in the state. Aquifer. Yes, the largest, and then some yep. of that goes into Mexico, mm. and it's all about who can drill it and yep. suck it out and use it, and who gets to it first. Who gets to it first? Yeah, the paisometer. It sounds like a like an Italian. That's tool. what I was thinking. Hey, paisan, huh? Yeah, it's for making pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So we've talked about this a couple of times. I've learned more about geotech in the last eight months than I ever knew existed, and there's different. I don't know, levels or investigations that you do. There's like a phase one. There's What's what's the process for that? Uh, what does that look well, like? Phase ones are, are, are an environmental assessment. And it, it, that's something you do? Yeah, something, something that, that I do, but it's not, it's not in the realm of geotech. It's in the realm of environmental engineering. Gotcha. And it's basically, you know, you assess a site on what the potential environmental hazards could mm-hmm. be if they exist or... Like if the, if you want to buy a piece of land and right next door is a Circle K, odds are pretty much automatic that that Circle K is leaking fuel somewhere because every underground storage tank leaks and the fuel is mm. going somewhere. And if you're down gradient is what the term is, but if you're if the groundwater goes towards your property, then that contamination is now under your property. So you have to communicate to whoever wants to buy that, hey, by the way, don't drill a well and drink it because it's got the nasty crap that's over there from the Circle K. So is that a situation where you would have to, somebody would have to drill or install like a test pit or something like that so you can test? They, they t- t- monitoring well. Monitoring well, yeah. Gotcha. Every gas station leaks. Every gas station has monitoring wells. Mm. Almost all of them have already re- been remediated. Ever see like the little fenced in area next to a gas station yep. and it's got like some pipes sticking up? Yep. They're actually pumping air down into the ground to get the vapors of the fuel out of the dirt below so they con- don't continue to contaminate the groundwater. That's crazy. Yep. It's, is it kind of the same principle of what they do like at a, uh, a landfill? Similar, yes. Similar, something like yeah. that? Landfill is usually venting the gas that's there because that, they put a bunch of stuff in, down in the ground and mm-hmm. then it produces methane and it builds up pressure and it's got to go somewhere so it goes out. This is forcing air down to get the vapors to come back up. Interesting. So like with the landfill, is that what makes that flame out there? That's exactly what on makes the that flame. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Do you deal with a lot of uh, landfills and stuff? I do have experience with landfills. What's a, what's a challenging or unique problem that a landfill like poses than like other places? Uh, other than the smell. Yeah. The, the, 
gas is probably the how to deal with the gas is is a big one. The mm. other one is believe it or not, erosion. The most common thing that happens with a landfill is you put a bunch of trash and then you cover it with dirt. And part of what geomechanics does is says, okay, you need to put it at this slope and this type of material. So when it rains, it doesn't wash away that clean dirt and then it rains on the trash. And then that trashed rain flows down into the gutter, into the system, into the aquifer that somebody 200 miles pumps back out. And now it's dirty and they drink it. Mm. But you're looking like too, like when you're looking at like a phase one report and those type of things, like from a due diligence side. So investors going to buy a piece of land, like they've got to get a, a phase one done. You're, you're looking at not only where the land was recently, but also like backtracking, like like what's yeah, what's been part over of the it years. Is a historical, I mean, aerial photography review, and mm. a lot of times you'll see something you don't really know what it is, so you just point it out that hey, something may have been there, may want to take a look at it. But usually the, the contamination we see in Arizona is most of the development now is previous farm fields. So mm. you typically look for, where's the uh, airstrip if they're doing the, put the pesticides in the plane and fly it over. Well, that airstrip, wherever that plane sits is usually where it drips the pesticides and that mm. concentrates the pesticides and that's where your, your issues are. So like when there's a failure of some sort, is there such thing as like a forensic geotech investigation? Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been involved in anything like that? Uh, yeah, usually because we do uh, do a lot of lab work, and people ask all the time. They something happened, and they want to know why. Mm -hmm. And I do my best to make an assumption on why, but it's kind of a guess. But yeah, it's it's. Yeah. It's exhausting because when it gets into litigation, you you can have an idea on why it went, why it happened, and it's probably ninety nine percent that it happened. But if you know it's going into litigation, that one percent is going to be the reason that it burns you or burns your client. Because mm -hmm. somebody will just find some reason not to say that that's possible, and and the, the problem doesn't go away, but your argument is now less. I guess gotcha. You say. Now, I know, like, Doctors Without Borders and there's Engineers Without Borders. Are you guys, like, super popular as far as geotech when it comes to that program? I feel like that would be something that you guys are coming in for water supplies. Like, you and, and like, hydrological, is that the right word, engineers, would work together and be really helpful in, like, these third-world countries that... Yeah, you'd think so, but no. No? No. Or, or the uh, west side of Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the... <laughs> The, the detail, like, if you think about the reason why you want a geotechnical investigation is, one, to feasibility, and two, to prevent future issues. Like, if, well, the example is if they would have done the geotech investigation on the Tower of Pisa, then it may not have leaned. But the building still stands, and you can still walk in it. So at that level, I would say having a building built is more important than settlement cracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so you it's, guys are it's like a first, you guys are luxury. It's a engineers. first world problem <laughs> to not wow. have my window drywall crack every every summer because of very specific reasons. But it's more of cosmetics. Yeah, Mo on the on the detail side. Fundamentally, you still don't want your foundation to have issues. But I mean, we're in Arizona. It's a bunch of alluvial sand, and you put your slab right on the dirt, and you're good to go. So do you soil sample and like test your own home property and stuff? Like we're like, like, oh yeah, that's, that's cracked. 
Oh, I know exactly why. Funny story. My house was, I live in the Arcadia area. My house was built in 1952. It's got cracks all through it. My chimney is leaning and I'm, I'm cool with it. It's, it's same, similar thing. It'll, it'll be my grandchildren's problems if (laughs) still is a thing. And even if that, I mean, if you look at it, it's crooked, whatever. It's crooked. You know, I put a quarter in the one crack just to make sure it doesn't keep moving. And that's about it. Um, so Talking about leaning, you know, we talked about the leaning tower of Pisa and we talked about that building leaning and stuff like that. I mean, is it a structural thing or is it a geotech thing? Like let's somebody say somebody is building like a, you know, 150 story high rise of some sort. Mm-hmm. How, like who determines how far they need to put pilings or how many pilings are required? Both. So Both. the geotechnical engineer will say the soil and the rock underneath this building has these strength parameters at these levels. So you can, and then the structural engineer says, all right, I need this much resistant force, if you will, for the building not to fall over. So based on what they say, I need this much force times how much, how strong the soil is at what depth. That's how you determine how deep the footing is or how deep the piers are. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a combination of both. We gotcha. determine the strength parameters of the soil. The structure engineer takes that information to calculate how deep the piers go. Gotcha. And you guys agree every time? 100%. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There's Sorry. no arguments there. It's just like kumbaya. I mean, because it, it also, we it's kumbaya, but then it's it's a blame game of, he told me that I could yeah. put it, it was strong down there, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Or sure. I told you you should do this, and you didn't listen yeah, on the, like on the testing side, I'm curious, like if the way materials are tested has or tested has evolved at all. And where this where, I'm, where this is coming from is when I was I don't know senior in high school, like in the summers, I would work at uh, the Illinois Department of Transportation, yeah. and one of my jobs was to go out and take concrete samples. We we we'd pour them in these beams, like yeah. type thing, yeah. and then yeah. we would do like slump tests and yeah. stuff like that. Is that yeah. they still do it that way today, or are there all different the ways test of methods. testing? Nope. Really? All the same test methods. Interesting. That the test methods themselves don't really evolve too much. And cores. Or, uh, yeah, we, like the cylinders. We yes. put them in cylinders too, yeah. Yeah. Beam testing is more for like airports and when you're talking That was about, highway stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. You're looking for point loads. You're trying to, f- how flexible the concrete is. And the cylinders are how, if you squish it, how much strength it takes to break it. And you'd think, like, it's interesting when you say how flexible concrete is. Because in my mind, I'm like, how can concrete be flexible? I mean, everything. Is, I mean, even the strongest material Just will because it's bend rigid. a little bit before. Yeah. yeah. But you put it's, an airplane on it, it's flexible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'll bend before it breaks. All materials. Yeah. You know, that Young's modulus thing where it's, it, you, you put stress on it, eventually it, then it starts to bend and then it breaks. Like, yeah. that, that concept applies to just about every material. Yeah. Crazy. More brittle materials appear that they're not flexible, but they still flex before they break. So are there like new developments in geotech engineering, or is it pretty much like something that's been in place and been practiced a certain way for a hundred years? In my experience, it, we use test methods that were published in 1925. The, the, the 40s yeah. and 50s. Wow. And they're doing it roughly the same way. Like there's the, the density testing has evolved just because we use nuclear densometers now and... Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, they didn't do that. They did the old school sand cone method. But other than that, and some of those are starting to evolve where you can get density from soil without using a radioactive device to get it. But mm-hmm. 
Pretty much the same stuff. The, is there the any slump test you did is the same way we still do the slump test today. Interesting. Is there any need to evolve, or it, it works? If it's not broke, I mean, don't fix it? There, there's a need, but there's no, I guess, there's always a need to make it quicker and better. Of course, efficiency. who's going to decide on a global scale, I'm going to invest $10 million to figure out a way to do this faster mm-hmm. that everyone else benefits for and doesn't help me at all. Right, right. So we got to call Elon Musk and explain geotechnical engineering. Sounds like Ken was sure, a geo- on the path of geotechnical engineering. Yeah, yeah. What what uh, what <laughs> diverted what you there. from pulling chain? He wanted to pull chain through uh, the Midwest and in Illinois. That's what he wanted to do. Collecting soil samples, and you said, "I would like to find a more boring career," <laughs> and you went into survey. Hey, hey, hey! You're it's a long you're story. insulting the majority of our audience story. here. <laughs> Mind Actually, you, our audience, our audience. <laughs> there is a huge rivalry in in the Alta family, and it is it is great. <laughs> All right, what's this uh, geosynthetic word I, I hear? What, what is that? Geosynthetics? Yeah, what is that? Where did you hear it? Uh, well, we talked about it in the office not too long ago as it pertains to um, landfills. Oh, yeah, well, um, <laughs> sure, as it pertains to landfills. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fabric, a material that you use, and landfills use it specifically to for, as an impermeable surface or as... You know, you dig a landfill, you're going to put trash on it. You have to convince everybody that the trash is not going to get into the, the all the bad stuff isn't going to get into the groundwater. It's all the name of the game. So it's either a plastic or uh, a, a manufactured clay that is so impermeable that the water can't get into the good water. Mm. And they and same thing with filter fabric, yeah. a, a similar concept where you want to let the water in but not let the dirt go through. Those are all in the realm of geosynthetics. How about this uh, nuclear density testing? Oh, how does that work? I mean, is it is it really nuclear? Do you want to know? Yes. Would you like me to explain? Yes. What is a nuke gauge too? A nuke gauge is this is the layman's term for a nuclear densometer. Okay. So, you, uh, if you know anything about radioactivity, there's alpha emitters and beta emitters and all these different little particles that. Now you have an element, and then it emits a particle. Well, uh, the nuclear gauge has a very small amount of radio- radioactive material and a very specific one where they, the rod, so to speak, you jam a rod into the ground, and that rod has got some radioactive material on it, and it emits particles, you know, just firing it off at all. Right. And then in the box, the gauge itself, it has a receiver that, that receives those particles, or it measures when it gets a new alpha particle. What it actually measures is the time it takes the end of the rod down into the ground to travel through the dirt back up to the gauge. And that time is, a, can, is correlated to how dense the soil is. Mm. Denser soil, longer time it takes that particle to get through it. Less dense soil, faster it goes. And then you correlate that to the density of the soil. You want density of the soil because if you build on it, you want to make sure it's compact enough where it won't settle later. Or you draw, you put a road on it. You want the road not to have ruts in it and settle. And so you take the density test with that nuclear gauge. Mm. To It's a quick method to get density. The old method was dig a hole, weigh the material you pulled out of the hole, put sand in that hole of a known density, 
measure how much sand you do you put in the hole to measure the volume of the hole. Weight divided by volume is density. That's a 45 to an hour long test, and Nuke Gauge will give you the same result in about 60 seconds. Oh, well, interesting. And so this nuclear testing um, process, somebody who is performing that work, do they have to wear a certain kind of PPE or anything? Is it, uh, does it present any kind of uh, danger to somebody who's doing it? Or is it, it like equivalent to an x-ray? Yeah. It is a way, way, way less than an x-ray. Oh. Um, the exposure you can get that they've me- that they've the most exposure you can get from using that it's it's in a term called REMS REM uh, radioactive something uh, and the term is in millirems so a milli uh, the sun exposes all of us to an average of 300 millirems a year and you get about a hundred more from using this device hmm. over the course of a year or one time. It's not a, it's more of the, the amount of time over, you know, it's not a one shot deal. It's, you know, over the, the, the element is about the size of a marble and it's very, very sealed. So it's relatively safe, but all of our staff wear densometers, which measure how much they are exposed to. Mm. We change those out, send those in for reporting. So we can say that we are not overexposing our staff using this device. Right. I didn't know I had to bring my Geiger counter tonight. <laughs> I thought you always had it with you. I know. I forgot it tonight. <laughs> Aren't there special rules too of like having it like you have to have it on your person and locked away and those type of things? Like yeah, from it's a, it's, a, it's regulated by uh, the Arizona Ra- Radiation Regulatory Agency. They actually just visited our office. Yeah, oh yeah. Huh? yeah, they're on 40th Street. They oh. they regulate all X-rays, and if you oh. you can't just buy a radioactive device well, and start I mean, using it. You true. have to have a license that shows that you know what you're doing, can use it safely. They audit your safety program. We go through all that. Hmm. Do you have, uh, like a flux capacitor. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> that's the term in our license, yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, 88 miles per hour, boys. <laughs> so you're, you're obviously at a senior level at this point. You've got, you know, number of years experience. What is, what is the outlook? Like if somebody is interested in considering this as a, as a career option, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's an entry level opportunity for sure. somebody and you just, what's, what's the process? How does it, what does that look like? Um, a, you want me to talk about like wage or like, no, not so I much would, wage. I mean, just kind of like what the progression would be. Uh, the, like what I mentioned about, like we have converted you know, a high school educated mm. person that doesn't really have a direction, doesn't know what they want to do, yep. likes being outdoors, same kind of th- kind of thing with surveyors. Yep. But, um, you know, you start and after we'll get you some training and after about a year, you'll have enough experience to pretty much be on your own and obtain some certifications. And then from there, after about five or 10 years, you most likely are either in a management position or you're doing something else. It's a pretty quick process. Uh, progression. Mm-hmm. Most times you start as an entry level tester. You test concrete first because it's the easiest and happens the most. Call them slump and dumpers. Slump you, you were dumpers. a slump and dumper. <laughs> and then you progress into more material testing. And then usually that evolves into a, an inspector level. So mm. you, and then you are on site to do more of the structural inspection and you manage the material testers mm. And then from there, you get into some higher level, like the more complicated, the more the pay is. And I mean, we've taken kids that graduated high school and had nothing. And now they have a very lucrative career and are very much in demand. 
so you talk about like the high school degrees and those type of things Like, can, can somebody obtain like the position in senior leadership with a high school degree or is that something that you have to go? Cause I know you have a, an engineering degree, but like, can they get to your position without an engineering degree or how? Uh, yes and no. If you, it, on the management level side, absolutely. Okay. Cause you really just need to be able to manage people and it's, it's a business like anyone else and you need to work on efficiency and talent development and take care of your people excuse me, and uh, take care of your clients. and mm-hmm. um, But on the technical level to certify something that one of your staff says, I took a test and here's what the result is, and most agencies require a PE stamp mm-hmm. that certifies that, mm-hmm. that I supervise that test and it's legit. Sounds similar to something else I know. Similar. To I was I was just going to say, I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of similarities with surveying just for the, all the same reasons. You know, somebody can become a entry level surveyor with zero experience and work themselves up to making a, a very decent living. Um, you mentioned some like certifications and things like that, that folks can obtain. Yes. Is that something that requires formal education or yep. it's just based on experience and get some experience? We'll get you some some training, mm-hmm. and it's part of that progression. You know, you start, mm-hmm. you work, it's, it's, it's an apprenticeship-type program. You work along with somebody, then you kind of got to do it on your own at, you know, out near the prison where no one really cares, and then you kind of work your way up mm-hmm. to you have enough experience to take a test, get a certification, Yep. and those are nationally recognized. Some are Air, state of Arizona recognized, and then if you get a couple certifications, you're very much an in a wanted commodity as far as there's every testing company in the Valley wants mm. a couple guys with certs. What's, what's the name of the governing body that does these certificates and certifications um, for concrete? It's ACI American concrete Institute for soils and asphalt. It's a state it's through a dot and it's the Arizona technical testing in, in Institute, something like ATTI. And I have to believe that with all the development that's taking place, not just in Arizona, but across across the country, is there a shortage or what, what does the, the job outlook look like? Bleak. Really? Um, the, the phrase I use is they stopped making geotech engineers at the geotech factory, so we have to make our own. Mm. Geotech engineering is not a sexy degree. No one, they, the universities don't promote it. They definitely don't promote material testing, and most people that I always equate it to the HVAC certification schools do a great job of attracting people and saying, "Hey, you can make, you know, we'll train you. You can make twenty-five bucks an hour, and you can be this. We can do the exact same thing and not have to deal with owners that yeah. their AC blew out in one hundred and ten degrees." Right. Right. Again, a lot like surveying, but yeah, there's just it's just not discussed, not talked about. Most people don't even know it existed. So why do you think that is? I think that when people think about civil engineering and um, development, they think about drawings and they Mm. think about architects and they don't even realize that at every construction job, there's somebody out there testing and inspecting things. I don't even realize it's happening, but there's one of one of our guys on every single construction job, yep. and he's usually watching the people do the work and not and not doing the work. Yeah. What are some of the safety concerns? In our business, it's a lot. Uh, trench safety is probably number one because we work a lot with around trenches, mm-hmm. and 
work a lot with drill rigs, so you've got the potential for you know loose clothing and so you've got spinning yep. options. You're working around heavy equipment. I mean, I don't want to get into the stories, but working around heavy equipment and you being the one person on the ground, walking around, hoping everyone sees you is is probably the the biggest one. Yeah, or one of the biggest ones. Yeah. That awareness. Yeah, it's just making sure you're seen. The whole. Make eye contact. Eye contact, You've yep. got the, and especially you guys know when you're doing land development, the faster scrapers can move, the more production they get, mm. the more dirt's done, the more the money the contractor makes. Well, that's bad for us because those guys are paid by the hour to move as much dirt, and we have to be in between them taking tests while they're moving that dirt. Yep. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Does not sound fun. It's exciting when it's happened when it happens and and everyone knows that you're there and there's guys on the radio and like hey he's over there and they work and that part's exciting. It's not fun when they don't respect what you do. Yeah. So there are good job sites and bad job sites. There's good contractors and bad contractors. Okay. There you go. What about in the mining industry? I'm assuming there's a lot of work done on the geotech side in the mining industry. Yes, prior to me starting the geotech department. I was a resident engineer for a company that mostly did consulting for uh, for copper mines around the state. Mm. So the big thing with the mining is most of the mining in this state is open pit mining. Dig a big, mm. huge hole, and you get the copper out of that by several different methods, and you got to put that waste rock is what they call it. They got to put that somewhere. And usually when you put that somewhere, you got to put it in a pile, and then that pile has an angle of repose, and it has a safe slope, and you have to do a lot of design to make sure that big, you're basically building mountains. Dig a hole and build a new mountain. And mines eventually have to, what's called reclamation, and reclaim that big pile and put some put some grass on it, make it look pretty again, and make sure it's not going to fall over in 50 years. Well, the new mining technique is just get the catalytic converters off the truck. Right. Yes. 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 yes, yes. <laughs> it's like a systemic problem. It's a, it's a, it's a reuse. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then when you talk about the underground mining, you've got all the geomechanics that go into stability. You know mm. how many? How you got to put the put the logs down in there or the piers to make the tunnel safe? How how to space those and how strong those need to be is all geomechanics. Yeah. So you recently had a big project. I heard with a uh, big pour and like bridges and stuff like, is this a huge oh, yeah. thing for yeah, like, yeah. like uh, geotech engineering and those type of things? Like, uh, can you explain Ma- a little bit on bridges and those material testing mostly? And it was a bridge deck pour and <laughs> it had to be a, what they call a monolithic pour, which means they had to pour it all in one go. Mm. Why is that? Um, in a bridge, you don't want what's called cold joints. Okay. Cause the, Imagine you pour the concrete, the concrete gets hard, then you got to pour new concrete against that hard concrete, and then there's a, you know, there's a potential for failure at that joint. Yep. You want it all to be nice and done together. And in order to do that, you have to build a concrete plant at the facility and do it continuous. I think the pour we did was started Friday at 10 p.m., ended Saturday at around 3 p.m. And went continuous, had two batch plants. We had five or six Testers out there collected 312 of those concrete cylinders in that one shot. 2,700 cubic yards. Wow. That's impressive. That's a big pour. It's, it's interesting to me how, how much, 
how much what like what you do parallels what a structural engineer does? Uh, the big difference is the structural engineer designs and determines what the structure looks like, what the loads are, and and does gets involved with the the weight of everything. The geotech engineer just provides all that information of here's the strength of the material, and mostly it's about the structural engineer can say, I want this type of concrete, proving that that type of concrete is what was placed is the hard part. That's why you take so many tests, because if they're, let's say, the batch plant gets the wrong proportions of the concrete and there's more sand than rock and not enough cement, then that doesn't have the strength that the structural engineer expects is going to be there. And that's where failures happen. Gotcha. So looking back on your career, besides being a surveyor, is there anything you would change? Um, Well, I often, you know, (laughs) especially working around you guys, I question where in my career I deviated to get to this point. Um, (laughs) Again, being uh, with a mechanical engineering degree, I thought that I was – going to sound funny especially live in Arizona but I thought I was going to design solar panels and mm. be a and do renewable energy I thought right. it was so cool and not to date myself but when I was in school photovoltaics and the passive solar and all that fun stuff that is common now was just starting to be a thing so survey uh, solar panels on roofs was not very common yeah and usually when it was it was there to heat water and you ran your water up through there and heated your, preheated your water for your water heater yep. instead of directly producing electricity like they do now. So looking back, I, I found this career because it was lucrative and exciting because it's, it was a need and there's problems and we could, it's a solvable problem. This is a need that needs to be done. Here's the book on how to do it. I can figure out that problem and solve it and the client's happy and they want to do us and then they're going to pay us a bunch of money to do it. So um, looking back on it, I took that opportunity and ran with it instead of saying, oh, let me stick with what I think that I'm passionate about and go yeah. that route. Interesting. I'm, I'm curious too, because like you talk about being a problem solver and like, you know, I think that that's a characteristic that a geotech engineer needs to have, correct? Yeah, absolutely. What 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 do you th- like? What are some characteristics that makes a good problem solver? Like, what do you look for in that? I would say, kind of objectivity. Like you you, or the tendency when you have a problem is to go down the path that you have done before. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I solved that problem last time with this answer, and a good problem solver always has a fresh look at it and is objective on what the problem is and what the solution may be. Mm. A bad one has the solution already in mind before before they start. Mm. I see. Uh, that's Lazy, a good answer, basically. Sean. I like that. Put you on the spot. Well. it's a good one. I feel like we've covered a lot of geotechnical stuff. We today. have, and you know what? I haven't fallen asleep. And we haven't even said once that we're the geoholics. I know. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> he wants to say something so I, badly I right so now. So want to say something. <laughs> and I, I, I we, love we watching got, him squirm right now. Refraining. He's, he's refraining. He's so the geo. We're the holics. <laughs> Sean puts the geo in geo. Yes, I put the geo in geo holics. I know you said you purposely don't listen because these two guys are on here. You would love to listen to me talk for an hour, but uh, well, I do, and I have in the past. Such a soothing uh, voice, shoot has. It, it really is. One, once I came on, he told he he quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know this question's coming. What's a mantra that you live by? I don't know what a mantra is. Like a saying that you live by. Like ours is add value, make friends. Oh. Um, actually, the I don't have one that I've always, you know, I'm not a tattoo guy, and I couldn't possibly think of anything that I would tattoo myself. But I really, really like the one that Monty Williams on the Suns have. I know where you're going. Uh, I think that is kind of sums up what I, it's. Let me make sure I say it right. It is. Um, well, there's two that I love from him. No, but it was just the, what you. No, no, no. It's uh, it's because uh, it was the it WD. Was, yeah, WD is greater than WS. So what you do is well greater done is than, better than well said. Well said. The other one I love from him, and I think we've mentioned it before, actually, is anything you want to achieve is on the other side of hard. I, I like that. I love that one. I'm, yeah. but I think the one I probably said the most. If, if you be around the office with me, I have all these sayings or the little things. But I'm a I'm a big do what you say guy. If you're a, if you're a do what you say guy, and I yeah. say I'm going to do something, and then I actually do it, I think that means more to the people that you are around yeah. than uh, than just about anything else. That's yeah. a path to success. Totally I agree. would totally agree. If you have one mantra and you do what you say. You will be successful. Follow through. Completely agree. Uh, what else? You got something else there, Shoots? I got nothing. I, I feel like I went to school tonight. I learned a lot. I've dealt yeah. with these guys a lot in the past and mostly in a golfing environment. <laughs> <laughs> now in the plumbing industry. Well, Big plumbing industry. But now, like, if I go golfing with the boys again, I can be like, I actually know what the hell you're doing. There you go. There you go. Uh, what else? Is there anything we didn't talk about you want to get out there? Um. Hiring? Uh, are you hiring? Oh, absolutely. Uh, shameless plug. We are hiring anybody who would possibly be thinking about making material testing, geotechnical, a career. Even mm-hmm. if you don't want to make a career, I'll, I'll give it a shot with you. I, yep. Who's I, hiring? Who, what do you mean? As in all, Who's hiring? Yeah. Southwest? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. no, no, Southwest.com slash careers. There you go. <laughs> Free plug. Don't Perfect. get used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything uh, else? Uh, no, no, no. I think, uh, I think this is a great topic. The, the other one, the, the other half of what I do is all about management and people. And I think that's, that's a whole, whole nother episode whole, whole, whole though. Nother we'll episode. do that. I would that'd love to hear that. I want to be a uh, part of that. Yeah. Well, that'll be, I want to hear what he says. That'll be a round table. I was just going to say that's a solid round table. Absolutely. We got some good people yeah. in mind. Oh yeah. yeah. For yeah. sure. Connor, what else, buddy? You got anything? I do have one. Do you, do you go home? To your wife and your daughter and like talk about you technical engineering or you, do you, does she not allow that? Uh, well, my wife is a real estate agent. She's a yeah. designated broker for a, a, a agency here in town. And the things that come up during the purchase of a home overlap mm. with what I do quite frequently. Okay. So we do talk about it in the sense of I know what the problems are and she now knows what they are. I don't get into the weeds on 
strength properties of concrete and friction angles and more Coulomb theory. She's like, Sean, why is there a quarter in my chimney right now? (laughs) That is exactly correct. Okay. So do you think your daughter's going to, do you think your daughter's going to be a real estate agent or a a, a geo uh, tech engineer? If she had to pick a path now, just one of the two engineer. Oh, okay. She she is an analytical, Mm. she's five and she likes building things. She, I think she wants to be an architect because she drew a castle and won't stop bugging me about us going to Home Depot to get the materials to build the castle. She wants a fun house. Yeah. She's five. Or a tree house. Do you have a tree? Oh, she's got personality for five. Oh, yeah. yeah, Holy cow. Did you ever think about naming her uh, Darcy for Darcy's Law? I do not have a passion for Darcy's Law, so (laughs) it did not come up in our discussions. Fair enough. Uh, Her name's Evelyn, and I was thinking about naming her our middle name 12 because she could be 11, 12. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. So that's like an Elon Musk thing to do for sure. Yeah. I got shot down. Shockingly. <laughs> Not surprised. All right. Anything else guys? You ready, you. ready to wrap this Appreciate one up? It. Oh yeah. Let's see if Connor can pull this off. Oh, I just, oh. I am ready to pull it off. Are you ready? Oh, it was a rough yes. start. Do Here we, we go. In a... Nope. It's over. All right. Adding value, making friends. That's what it's all about. Just as Shoots mentioned. Thanks again for listening. And a shout out to our friends of the program. Just like North Star Surveying and the Schlossers. The Surveying Schlossers. Be sure to mention you're a geoholic when you reach out to them. Um, there are exclusive listener promotions. So be sure to mention that. Download the Geoholics app from LandSurveyorsUnited.com. And uh, do us a favor, send us an email at info at the if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We're actually booking into June, if you can believe that right now, but uh, we'd love to hear from you regardless. Last but not least, pay it forward, add value, make friends, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, Apollo, available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, be safe and healthy. Thank you to our 2022 Friends of the Program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, prostarcorp.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. Topodot, new.certainty3d.com. And finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.